You are alive. In a cursed world, you're exposed. Exposed to heat, cold, gravity, disasters, evil, and thorns. In order to go forward, you have to battle the elements, including yourself. So you get hurt, and you bleed, and it hurts. Sometimes you retreat out of pain and your world shrinks to the size of the wound. And for a moment, your pain becomes your life. Why does it hurt so much? It hurts because it's wrong. Pain is information, we conclude. But God has designed a healing mechanism for wounds. Pain will cease, open wounds will close, and a scar will replace both the pain and the wound. It'll bleed, it'll hurt, but certainly it'll pass. somebody you're sitting next to. I'm glad I'm sitting next to you. I'm glad I'm sitting next to you. And then you could say, and not next to him. No, don't say that. You don't have to say that. Hey, we're in this uh, series that um, has really been neat, and I really appreciate the ladies that shared uh, their stories last week. We have had, I mean, unbelievable amounts of traffic on our church Facebook page. We put the video up this week of Aaron and Sarah who shared their story and did such a great job sharing their heart. We were so blessed uh, by the Lord's work in their life. Um, I want to read a verse to you and we're going to, uh, I want to share something with you today. I know it's going to be an encouragement with you. The Bible says in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter five seventeen, if anybody is in Christ, he's a new creation. Uh, old things are passed away and all things are become new. The new is here. Um, there's this perception, okay, that once we get saved, everything after that works out okay. And, and I'm here to tell you that uh, people do mess up after they get saved. Can I get an amen? I, I Man, wouldn't that be great? I mean, Christianity would be such an easier sell that once the day that you, and I'm not saying this to you, Lord, I'm saying this from a human thinking uh, standpoint to introduce my thoughts to you today. But boy, wouldn't it be a lot humanly thinking easier that if the day that you accepted Christ, your bank account was healed. Amen. Somebody say amen. Okay. Your weight was perfect. How great would that be? The day after saved, you're a new creation. Wow. And you started to like your scale the day after you got saved. You know, wouldn't that be great? And, and that you'd never sin again. You'd never make a mistake. You'd never hurt anybody's feelings. You'd never struggle with the things that you struggled before. And, and sometimes we get a little confused by that because when this verse says, old things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. I thought I would be like totally cleansed, renewed and never gonna sin again. And man, that's just not what that verse means. And we're gonna unpack that in a little bit. But the truth of the matter is you can grow up, whether you've had a tough background and you've accepted Christ as savior later in life, with lots and lots and lots of miles of regret in your life, or you could have gotten saved when you were five or six and grown up in church, never missed Sunday school, VBS. You remember what it meant to do to go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Sunday school, Wednesday night, and Monday night visitation. You remember those days. 
But even with all that in your life, you could say, you know what? Man, I have regret in my life. Can I just, before I introduce Johnny to you this morning, how many of you carry some regret in your life this morning? Because you're in good company. You're in good company. This is my son-in-law, Johnny Paparo. Uh, and yeah, give Johnny a big hand. Um, if you want to know where our family is from, listen to him talk for a few minutes. And as much as I say Philadelphia, he is Philadelphia. Uh, we were blessed. Johnny became a part of our life very personally. Uh, a few years ago, we had a man on our staff that uh, had to have kidney, um, tr kidney transplant. And a lot of people in our church got tested for it uh, to, to, have the, to have the blood type. I was tested also, had the right blood type, but that's when I discovered I had diabetes. So my life just went a different way uh, from that point. But uh, Johnny was tested, and as a 21, 22-year-old young man, he gave one of his kidneys uh, for his friend so his friend could live. That speaks into the character and the heart of this young man, but he's going to share with you some tough things uh, that he's walked through in his life uh, as we understand this idea of having beautiful scars in our life. So would you make Johnny feel welcome, church? Thank you for letting me be able to come up here and talk. Ed gave me 10 minutes, but I'm going to ask you in front of everyone, can I have 15? And I don't think you can say no. Um, <laughs> I've had the privilege, first off, I'm very nervous, so if I'm staring down at my notes, it's because I want you to get what, I, what God laid on my heart. Amen. I've had the privilege to get to know a lot of you guys and your families, and if I haven't, I'd love to meet you. Um, from a distance, I probably seem a little quiet or weird, probably because I am weird, but... Um, if you get to know me, I promise you, I am more of a when will this guy shut up kind of, kind of guy. I feel like my wife can attest to that. Um, as Pastor Ed kind of talked about, I, am, I get to be involved at the Warehouse Church on many different levels. I get to drum in an awesome church band. Um, on Wednesday nights at WC The Crew, I get to work with our students. And yes, they're doing a great job led by uh, Gary and Tara Jones. <clears throat> and then I also get the awesome opportunity to work on staff here, and that's still something I honestly I don't, can't believe I, I get to do that. Um, obviously, we're in the middle of a series called Beautiful Scars, where God takes our hurts, our hang-ups, and everything in between and makes them beautiful. So I'd like to share a little bit of my story, not just my scars, but uh, the healing process God took me through. I don't believe anyone is here on accident. If you are new, I am so glad you're here, and I believe God has a word for you today. Um, in the Old Testament, there's a book called Esther. And if you haven't read it, it's, it's a, pretty much a Disney story about a woman who went from rags to riches, um, a Jewish slave girl turned queen of a superpower nation. God used her in her life to save thousands of Jewish people um, as she was Jewish. But what sets Esther apart from any other book in the entire Bible is that one time is the name of God mentioned throughout that entire book. But if you read through the book of Esther, there's no shortage of God's fingerprints in Esther's life and throughout the entire book of Esther. And if you walked in here today with scars, hurts, or hangups, and you've been crying out to God, and you've been searching for God or calling out to him, or if you're like me, and you have scars that were self-inflicted, and you feel like God has given up on you, and there's no hope, I promise you there's no shortage of God's fingerprints in your life, and he's around you and working in and through you. He loves you and is coming after you. I can speak on this because I've been there more... 
more than once. Like I said, most of my scars are self-inflicted. I'm still going through a process. I'm growing, I'm healing. But today I wanna give you some of that journey, <clears throat> some of the healing process God has taken me through to make beautiful scars. When I was in eighth grade, my mom passed away from lymphoma cancer. Um, from the time she passed away, honestly, till I can remember anything as a kid, she was always sick. Um, I didn't get to have a normal childhood as a middle schooler growing up, and, you know, going playing football or going home and just playing Fortnite all day, whatever that may have been for today. But I didn't get a chance to do any of that. I had to go home and take care of my mom, give her medicine, change her toilet, give her clothes, uh, make her food. Um, it had the best of a middle schooler can do. I am Italian, so I was whipping it up, and there's no deal about that. But there was always, I was, that's my, kind of what I had to do. And that left scars in my life. I admire my wife on, um, May 2nd, 2014, and uh, as I was facing her, getting ready to say I do, um, we were anxiously awaiting that. Everyone in the crowd was watching two people standing there. I was sweating profusely, getting ready to be married, um, and all they could see was two big smiles. But what they couldn't see, and what Christina didn't know, was that for the past 10 years, and still going strong at that moment, I was a full-blown addict to heavy narcotics and to pornography. The reason that I'm still married today is only by the grace of God and his unmerited favor that he has on my life. See, I checked all the boxes that needed to be checked for, to give Christina a good reason to, to leave me. I did that. And, but she showed what true love is and what Jesus wants from his church by not giving up on me. So we check all the boxes that we need to check as we are born sinners for, uh, for God to not have to send his son. But it, the Bible tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. <clears throat> but today, Christine and I have a beautiful baby girl named Rosie. She's the greatest thing in the entire world, and she has the most beautiful smile, and she kept us up a lot last night, and um, that's a true statement, but she's seven months old, a little over seven months, and she's going on her first beach trip to Galveston today, so we're going to go take a couple days away, um, and we're excited to do that, but before Rosie, it took us multiple miscarriages and multiple heartaches to get to this point. Church, I left scars in my life. About a year, a little over a year ago, I was with Gary and Kevin um, at a middle school in Richardson. And we serve there. It's called Boys Club. Every Thursday, we go there every Thursday afternoon. And uh, what we do is we get to kind of work with just some troubled teams. So we'll play a game with them, whether it's kickball, football, dodgeball. It makes you feel good when you beat middle schoolers uh, every single time. I'm not even going to lie to you. But we do that, and then we'll give them a lesson about character or just different things that a man should have. But as we were sitting there playing kickball, I think I was pitching or maybe we were almost done. And my dad called me and, and I hit the ignore button real quick. Dad, if you're watching, I don't always hit the ignore button on you, I promise. Um, but then my uncle called me and I, I didn't even have to answer the phone. I already knew what it was. I answered that and I, um, he said, Johnny, are you sitting down? And I said, don't tell me what you're about to tell me. He said, Johnny, are you sitting down? And I said, just stop. And he said, Mike, my brother, passed away from a heroin or fentanyl overdose, um, and we had to get home right away. That left scars in my life. I Google a lot of things, so I'm not very smart. Um, so I Googled scars. And what scars are, they're actually wound repairs or part of a healing process. And I don't want to water this down, church, 
Um, but I believe uh, in the word of God and Revelations tells us that we will overcome by the word of the Lamb, um, by the blood of the Lamb, excuse me, and a word of our testimony. And this is my testimony. I wish I could sit here today as I'm talking um, and tell you that everything is perfect. My marriage is perfect. As a father, I'm perfect. As a husband, I'm perfect. As a leader, I'm perfect. Um, or just as a human being that I'm, that I'm great, but it's not. And as I was writing this, I was like, why am I not further along in my journey than I can be? And the answer that I came up with is because I was too scared to bring to light my scars and my problems to start a healing process. See, church, God wants to heal you, but like me, God can't heal who you pretend to be. He wants the real you. Bondage leaves scars, and I was in bondage, but God's healing makes them beautiful. See, in the addiction world, <clears throat> experts will study that if you're addicted to something chemically. And one of the things that they found is, um, I'll just call it brain maturing. So when you become addicted to a chemical, from the moment that your body becomes addicted until the moment that you are not addicted to, to that chemical anymore, your body will age as normal. But your brain will stop from that moment you become addicted, will stop maturing. I'm 29 years old today. I've been I was addicted for 10 plus years of my life. I'm trying to play catch up. I've had to earn trust back from Christina, from my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, my dad, and all the people that I've hurt. I can't name them all today, it would take too long. But I'm not perfect, church, and guess what? That's okay. That's right. We don't need to come into church, sit in these chairs, but first be all cleaned up. We don't need to come in here and stop our cussing, our anger, our drinking, um, whatever scars that we think we deal with. We don't have to work on them on the outside before we come in here. You see, church, what I learned is that God wants your heart because when he has your heart, he can change your habits. God has my heart and he's changing my habits and he's forming beautiful scars. Whatever you're dealing with today may not be on my level. It doesn't matter, it doesn't have to be. God loves us all and cares for us and we cast our burdens upon him. But whatever you're dealing with, I believe God has a word for you and right now he's using the least to tell you. I'm not speaking at anyone, I promise. These are things that God has taught me personally but we need to stop hiding the areas of our life that need healing. Our scars, our problems are not a punishment, but a platform for God's power to be seen. Like me, too often we try to protect it, but God wants to use it. We try to keep it inside unseen because we're scared of what people may think. See, that's what I thought, because you know what? When you have scars and God wants to make something beautiful out of them, guess what? Sometimes things get messy. In John chapter nine, Jesus heals a blind man, and he's walking along. Obviously, the blind man can't see, but Jesus sees him. And church, if, even if you're not looking at Jesus, I promise you, he sees you. <clears throat> and his disciples ask, why is this man blind? Is it because of his sins or his parents' sins? And Jesus shuts that down real quick and says, no, so the works of God might be displayed. And guys, church, sometimes things will happen in our life for no other reason so that the works of God may be displayed. Sometimes we go through things that we don't understand, but God tells us to stop hiding. Don't be ashamed. I want to use it. You know how Jesus heals this blind man? He says he picks up dirt. It's what we were made from, the lowest part of us, and puts mud over his eyes. Tells him to wash it off, and the blind man can see. But you know what I thought of when I read this? I'm going to blame this on 
on, on my upbringing and on my brain maturing thing. I didn't read this and go, man, that is an awesome miracle. I thought, Jesus picked up dirt. I said, how much spit, because it says Jesus spit in the dirt and rubbed the How much spit do you got to spit into dirt to make mud? So I, no disrespect to Jesus, but Jesus was honking loogies on this dirt to make mud to rub it on his man's eyes. Onlookers were probably grossed out. The blind man can't see, but I'm sure he can hear, and he probably heard stories of Jesus, getting all anticipated. Yeah, Jesus is about to heal me. What's up? I'm about to see. And all he hears is Jesus going, <laughs> and he's probably like, what is about to happen right now? Sometimes we'd rather live bound than to let people see our healing and our scars so we can be set free. The blind man was healed, but you know what? He didn't go, ah, you know what, Jesus? Well, I can hear whatever you're doing, and you know what? I'd rather stay blind than to be healed. No, that's not what he did. Do you think that maybe after he was healed, Jesus told him to go wash off in a pool of Siloam, which means sent. I do know some Bible, guys. <clears throat> but he, maybe he turned around Washed off, and the first person he's seen his entire life was Jesus. Do you think he was worried at that point about the onlookers anymore and what they were thinking? Or about the disgusting, messy mud that Jesus put over his eyes? Or was he filled with joy that Jesus turned his scars into something beautiful? See, guys, God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. We need to get messy, church. Go to counseling. Christine and I are talking about going to counseling for no other reason to better our marriage. Talk to someone. You gotta bring your scars to light. It's not our problem that's a problem. It's that we're not letting God use it. I wanted to look nice rather than to be healed. I wanted people to think good of me than for Jesus to turn my scars into something beautiful. Listen, church, don't let the method of healing mess with the miracle of being used. I was ashamed. Do you not think that I wanted to be healed? I looked in a mirror every day and was ashamed of who I was. But I was scared of what people might think when they found out who was the real Johnny. But guys, we gotta bring this to light. Don't rob God of his platform. The Bible tells us all things work together for good when you love God and are called to his purpose. I've been able to minister to more people than I can express because of how I can relate to different people because of what happened with my mom. My marriage is not perfect today. But I can tell you today, my marriage is better than it's ever been in my entire life. The night of my brother's funeral service, over 40 people who may have never, will, maybe will never hear about Jesus again or have never will be in the same room to be able to hear Jesus' good news, the good news of the gospel preached. 40 people are now entering heaven because of that funeral service. Wow. This is the last thing I'll have, and I'll wrap it up, and then Pastor Ed could come up. I have wounds. Most are self-inflicted, like I said. Some are not. But listen, church, the worst part of me, the worst part of Johnny, mixed with the least part of Jesus can bring healing and turn your wounds into beautiful scars. Thank you. Take a look at this video. I hope this will be a blessing to you this morning.
Listen to this verse, verses out of 2 Corinthians 5. <clears throat> Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. I think that's important to understand because we kind of get this perception that God's really mad at us all the time and he's not. He's mad about you. And he did something for you to reconcile him to you. And it says, and he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We beg you or implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Jesus who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The work that God did in Johnny's life, and I love that he said it's continuing, it's continuing, it's continuing. Because here's the thing, we don't ever get to that. Uh, Jason talked about this earlier for our church. We have this uh, financial thing about finishing strong. We want to get all the, 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 the financial part taken care of, for, uh, of our building. We're going to do that. God, it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen yet, but it's going to happen. But that's not the day that we raise up the victory sign that we're done. That ushers us into the next time of our church because we still have things to do. And church, when, when God does a work in your life and you're going through this process of change and process uh, of growth and process of reconciliation, and maybe it's restoration in your marriage or restoration in a relationship or, or restoration just with yourself to God in your own personal life. Whatever it is, there's never a point that Johnny's going to say, "Woo, I'm done. But guess what? There's never a point I'm going to be able to say that either. Ever. Because we are a work in progress. And listen, this doesn't give us, I love this in Romans chapter 6, uh, the, the Word of God teaches us that, that just because we're still going to sin or still have the ability to sin or still have the desire to sin, just because we can lean on Christ's forgiveness, that doesn't give us the license to continue to live that way. We have to take steps. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like my step, my steps in my life, I'll take some, I'll take some good steps forward, and then I'm a couple back, couple forward, one back, two forward, three or four back, and I get real frustrated with myself, like why over, why do I deal, why do I struggle, why am I going through this all over and over and over again in my life? When God is waiting to forgive you, and God is waiting to restore you, and here's what God wants to do, he wants you to take that thing that you're working through and use that as a platform to connect with other people that other people around you may not be able to connect to. Johnny understated something he talked about at his brother's funeral. Um, I'm pretty, I'm, I, I, I think my brother Joe's probably one of the closest relationships outside of Kim in my life. I don't know if I could have done what you did that day, Johnny. Um, I came up afterward and did the pastor thing, you know, the 50-some-year-old guy. This is how you pray and ask Jesus to come into your heart. But God used Johnny's passion and love and identifying himself with his brother. He said, I went through it. All the things that he shared with you, he talked about to those guys. 
guys that Mike shot up with. Um, and the funny thing is about Mike, Mike went to Baptist Bible College, the same college that Jason and I went to. And they called him Philly. That was his name. People would call, hey, how's Philly doing? Oh, boy. Mike's just going through it. Mike was a neat guy. He really was. And he had a passion to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you say, but he was a heroin addict. Yep, he was. And it got him. And it beat him. But when he saw Jesus, he was healed of all that. You know? And Johnny speaks of that. Uh, when we left uh, after the funeral, I told Johnny, grab a, grab a bunch of his sneakers. Because Mike had some crazy Jordans. He had all kind of awesome sneakers. I said, you're going to wear those sneakers someday and tell Mike's story speaking at a camp to teenagers that need to hear that story. See, Johnny's story's not done. God's got great things for that young man. And he better, because I'm still Christina's dad, right? But that's the same thing about all of us. I don't know what you came in here with this morning, but he wants to take all that stuff that you see, all that stuff that still hurts, all that stuff that Satan's whispering in your ear, lying to you about, you're not worthy, you can't do it, God can't love you, you're guilty, you're dirty, you're messed up, you're scarred, and you could take the word of God and say, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. You, you, you squelch his lies with truth. And you take steps today because God wants to make something new in your life today. Can I invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Just real quietly, looking inside your heart, asking the Lord, what it is in my life do I need to do to be more like him? And, and the funny thing is, there's nothing I need to say to anybody this morning to remind you where you struggle. I don't need to say a secret formula that's going to provoke a memory or provoke uh, some kind of uh, uh, remembrance of, of what your struggle is. Because here's the truth. I wake up and I see my struggle every single day. Very aware of, of my insecurities. I'm very aware of my failures. Sometimes because I remind myself when I'm in the flesh, and sometimes because Satan is whispering to me, telling me that I can't do things that God wants me to do. And maybe you can relate to Johnny's story. Maybe it's not because of heroin or, 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 or drugs or anything like that or, or pornography, but it, it may be some of the things in that video we saw. Maybe it's gossiping. You say, gossiping, how is that as bad as, as drug addiction? Well, if you read the book of Proverbs, there's a verse that says, and it says it over and over again, and I don't understand God's math all the time because it says uh, these six things God hates, even seven are an abomination to him. So somehow there's an added one. But one of the things he talks about is not just uh, alcoholism or murdering. or He talks about gossip. He talks about gossip. And there's also things that, that, that we see that there is that, that pornography stuff that's out there that, that, that is just a stronghold in so many people's lives, male and female, students and mature people, 
Uh, there's, there's, there's marriage stuff that, that, that some of you couples are going through this morning that, that only you and your mate know about. And maybe, and I know God knows about it too. Uh, maybe there's some of that stuff. So we could go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And maybe I have, or maybe I won't talk about exactly what yours is, but you are very aware of where you struggle, just like I am. And maybe this morning, God wants to take your wound and before it becomes a beautiful scar, you need to ask him to forgive you and, and ask God to heal that wound. And it doesn't matter if you've been saved for 30, 40 years. You're not there. It's, it's okay. Just take some time right now where you're sitting and say, Father, forgive me. Will you forgive me? I'm sorry that I keep going back to that familiar place. I'm sorry that I let Satan have a a platform in my life. I'm sorry that, that, that this is still something I'm struggling with. Will you forgive me? And, and, and will you help me to grow in this area? Maybe it's too much. Johnny talked about getting counseling. Uh, he said, Christine and I, he said this, Christine and I want to get marriage counseling so we can even be better. I, I, I talk to a counselor once a month. You say, Ed, is there something wrong with you? Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm very aware of it. Kim and I have marriage enrichment every single year. We try to do something in our marriage that, that with outside influence to help us to be the couple we can be because we haven't had a perfect marriage either. That's just called life. It's called reality. And I think sometimes as Christians, we're afraid to be truthful about our struggles. And I want you to know this is a safe place. Um, if you have a story you want to share, shoot me an email this week. Maybe God will use your story to grow somebody in our church, and we'll use it in church. But before you have a platform for it, you need to make it right with God. And I would encourage you right now while the music plays quietly, just pray to him. Just say, Dear Father, please forgive me for... And speak it to him. He already knows. Ask for forgiveness. Ask for cleansing. Ask him to be glorified in your life because of it. If you don't know Christ as your Savior today, if you've never prayed, invited Jesus to forgive you of your sins, asked him to forgive you of your sins, and invited him to be your personal Savior, pray this prayer with me this morning. If you want to have a, have a relationship with God because of Jesus, just say, Jesus, will you please forgive me? Say this in your heart quietly. Will you please forgive me of my sins and come into my life and save me? Say that to him. Please forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and save me. Lord, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for dying so that I can be forgiven. Thank you for being alive so that I will forever live with you and forever be with you. But Father, help me today to be the man or the woman that you want me to be. And thank you for saving me. So I'm gonna ask you two questions this morning to respond while your heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you prayed with me just then and invited Christ to come into your heart and save you, I'm not gonna embarrass you, nothing like that. I just wanna thank God for what he did in your life today. You say, Ed, I prayed, I invited Jesus into my heart to save me with you this morning. If that's true, just shoot your hand up in the air real quick. Nobody else is looking around. God bless you, God bless you, young man. God bless you, sweet lady. Anybody else like that this morning? Ed, I prayed with you, invited Christ to come into my life. Anybody else like that? When you leave in the back of the auditorium or in the, in the back in the hallway, we have some information for you. So if you'll see me or Marianne, 
or one of our team members, we'd like to give you a gift and just to celebrate uh, what you did in your life today. And we, and we, and we are just excited uh, for that for you this morning. But let me ask everybody else this last question. How many of you need some forgiveness and healing for some pretty serious scars in your life this morning? Just be honest with God and say, Ed, that's me, and raise your hand up in the air. Father, you know what I don't need to know. And the crazy thing is, Lord, in spite of all of that, that you've demonstrated your love for us even though we have terrible, terrible sin in our life. You were very aware of our sin potential when you laid your life down on the cross because you knew that in 2019 that Ed Trinkle was gonna need to pray a prayer of forgiveness. So you provided a way for that forgiveness to happen by giving your life for me. And you've done that for every man and every woman in this room. And Lord, I know, Lord, many of these people, that, so many that raise their hands up, they're good folks. I, but when I compare myself to them, I say, man, I wanna be more like that guy. I wanna be more like that lady. They're good people in my eyes. But Lord, sin is the very thing that, that separates us from you. But I'm so thankful that even after we accept Christ as Savior, you don't break that relationship up because, because we're human or because we're frail and because we fall back into that, that stronghold of sin so many times in our life. You'll forgive. And like it says in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess, you forgive and cleanse. I'm so thankful for that, Lord. It's a prayer that you're very familiar with in my life. And I thank you for so many that are praying for it this morning. Thank you for Johnny's testimony, for his transparency, for his humility, and for the work, the incomplete work, the incomplete work that he's demonstrated this morning that I can speak of in my own life, just like it's the incomplete work of everybody else in this room. We love you, Lord. We thank you. Be glorified through what we've learned today. Draw us to you. May today be a day in our lives that we can look back on and say we took a step closer, a step closer to being more like you. We thank you for grace and forgiveness. We pray for this today in Jesus' name. And everybody said with me, amen. If you're thankful for the...